and welcome to Anime Archives with your host Ernest and John. Ernest, it's been about a two weeks, no, a week, a week since our last yes, podcast. A week. How have you been in our last week? Uh, I've been good. Uh, I'm just back in school, so I'm just uh finishing up my second week, and yeah, I'll just work. How does it feel school? to be back in school? Uh. It feels good, but I'm ready for uh, summer to be here and stuff. I'm looking forward to some events this April, though. That's going to be pretty cool, like SakuraCon and all that stuff. But, yeah, it's not bad. Some pretty chill classes. We'll see. Well, during this chill week, we had our own task of going back into the archives. Yes, yes. And going through one that an anime that came out in 2004 mm. in Japan. In America, it dropped 2005. Okay. Yeah. We yeah. always get things late. That's cool. Oh, If it comes Japanese, Japanese first, it has to come late for us. So the anime that we're bringing you today from back in the archives is Paranoia Agent. Now, did you end up seeing this back in the day, or was this a new watch for you? Uh, I saw it, like, I'm trying to remember. Uh, you said it came out in 2005. So I had to be in uh, middle school. I remember seeing it on, like, uh either two i think it was like adult swim or a late night tsunami like super late at night you could watch a few episodes like 8 or 9 p.m adult Remember? swimming g4 g4 yeah you G4 yeah too, yeah and i was able to catch him up when i was like on weekends and stuff and follow the series there um but yeah it's uh so when you kind of went back and thought about paranoia agent like before you watched it of course what were your your thoughts in terms of you've already seen this before but it's been a long time um, so like I I remember like the gist of like certain uh certain characters like uh the main I I guess I remember like the main protagonist uh Bat Boy and stuff and uh the female character the main lead that begins the an- first episode of the anime and I guess it was more like a refresh of learning about other characters that I knew of their face but I didn't know about their background or story mm-hmm. and didn't know like meaning I there was one character uh. Where so yeah, this character who had uh I thought there was like uh two separate characters, but they were one and the same towards the episode that you know, all was pretty interesting. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting when we first watched this. It was easily over 10 years ago. Yes, for sure. And we had a whole different perspective on life and just what we kind of thought in terms of anime itself. And so when I watch this now as an adult, so much like time later, I was able to pick out so many things that I missed back then that were like it made the series incredibly dark or it felt just a little bit more twisted than kind of what I remember. Mm. And I honestly can say, like, I liked it more, like just kind of rewatching it lately. So before we get into the plot, I wanted to kind of give a shout out to the people that brought this anime alive. And first, um, the thing that kind of stood out to me with the anime was the soundtrack, was the music. Yeah. They did a good job of weaving the music, the intro, the outro, um, which I can't wait for us to all play later. And they're incredibly contrasting. And like one is like wakes you up and the other is like a lullaby that tries to put you back to sleep. Yeah. And so I think it's a really beautiful contrast. And the, the music was re- uh, created by Suzumu Hirasawa. Oh, he did. Um, he did both opening and yeah, ending. He oh, did, cool. Yeah, that's, he did both, awesome. and he's also uh, does the main music for the anime Berserk. Oh, he did. Yeah, he oh, did. Snap. He does like the the, the anime or back it, in the day and the newer one. Like, yeah, he's been 
Um, yeah, the the background music. Yeah, the okay. background, like the guitar, the intro, outro. He did. Like he was actually in a band that he created, and then it got very. Um, what was it? it was um it's called it's experimental okay and pretty much what that means is he wasn't going to confine himself to oh just one genre he liked to mix it all and he liked really heavy contrast that the average human it was impossible for them to make naturally okay and so he really focused on really interesting and weird sounds and if you really listen to the intro it actually makes sense because it's almost like a a happy-go-lucky like yodeling like but if you actually look at the characters in the background and actually see what happens in the background, which we'll talk about during it, I mean, it's a big contrast for the tone compared to what actually it's really like foreshadowing or more than just like a good I use guess, of the foreground. I guess to you could say about the story foreshadowing. Okay. I mean, but also not in this in that same sense because it's like one of the last scenes you see in the intro is an old man laughing, and you see the world behind him. Yeah, but if and you get carried on because it's a it's a really happy go lucky song. But if you look in the background, it almost looks like the Earth as shockwaves going through it, like a nuclear explosion has happened. Oh, yeah. And so it's really kind of interesting, just in terms of like I said, the contrast. If you look at the background and how they shift in between the characters. But again, this is what not just the the music director or the music. But it was also the the actual director of the anime itself, what he's known for, is, um, which is his name is Satoshi Kon. And Satoshi is known for really liking hyper eccentric contrast. And pretty much what it means is he likes things to go kind of an extreme where you see almost a dual personality is something, but else have it almost come together in a weird sense. Okay. So, so yeah. Satoshi Kon is a, a critically acclaimed, uh, acclaimed director, and he's made some of the most, I would say, best works of art that's going to go down in anime history. In oh, multiple different things. And I'm not even talking about paranoia aging. Paranoia, okay, before I get there. So he started, um, uh, he was originally born October 12th, 1963. And it took him about 30 years before he actually got his first directing gig where he, before that he worked as like in the actual anime industry, but not actually leading the anime industry. Okay. Just like behind the scenes. So in 1993, 30 years later, he actually scripted and co-produced the fifth episode of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. The original original one. Yeah, The original. So yeah, uh, this director pretty much was a small part of that series. Okay. Um, Five years later, he ended up directing an anime called Perfect Blue, and Perfect Blue is didn't have a like a heavy budget or anything of that sort. Yeah, but it is known as one of the best anime movies of all time. Not like a spirited away as a sense, but almost like um, uh, kind of like an Inception style movie oh i think i heard of perfect blue so it's think think about uh, like a pop music artist and pretty much you see there and you you assume you know exactly who she is by the persona she has on stage yeah and then you see that there's a whole different side that contrasts and again it's kind of his theme that's what he really does it's again like i I didn't realize i was a satoshi Kon fan until i I started doing the research oh okay until you saw like his uh this his film his animography yeah 
I was gonna I think say filmography, I, but I was like anography. I, I, I honestly don't know the word for that. It's best. I put some words together. I would have said filmography. So yeah. I don't know. So his second film was called Millennium Actress. And at this point, it's pretty much just about a retired actress who withdraws from the public eye during the peak of her career. And then at this point, it starts going a little crazy from it. That one had a way higher budget. And because of that, that um, anime Millennium uh, Actress got a lot of success and earned a lot of awards. Okay. Just like in it. So I think this is one that we'll have to check out both of them. Yeah, I, I heard. I, I wanted to do one about uh, Blue Gender. I, I watched a thing about it. So, Not Blue Gender, being Perfect Blue. Perfect Blue. Yeah, yeah, sorry. So this brings us to his third work. Okay, now he's 2-0. and o. He's pretty much like... What? I want to guess what his third work would be. Oh, tell me. Tell me. What do you think his third work is? Let's hear it. It's not like... We already had someone that did like Tokyo Gods, right? We already had someone did Tokyo Godfathers. What? Tokyo Godfathers. You actually got it right. Oh. So his third work... search for her parents and pretty much highlights the homeless that uh situation that's Dang. popping up in japan so if you okay. actually watch perfect blue you watch millennium actress and you watch tokyo godfathers you will notice that uh satoshi khan the director always has a point a pretty much hyper symbology that's hidden throughout that that's just it's all over the place yeah he has a style that you can definitely see his animation goes his characters feel like they're actual people. Mm-hmm. And even if the world is bizarre around them, you feel that they're real. And I think see as cartoons when it could be a lot more than that. So during this time, he wanted to work on this not uh this film called a uh, Paprika. Oh, and that. again, that's another one we definitely do have to watch. Did I he? Did he work? Yet. Did he actually work? Now he didn't at the original time, which is back in 1993. So okay. it's kind of back in the day, because that uh that studio actually went bankrupt. Oh, okay. And so that's that. why he kind of went into Millennium Actress instead of kind of jumping straight into Paprika from Perfect Blue. Okay. So after that. Hmm. In 2004, he pretty much, that's where he started and created Paranoia Agent. Now, I looked, I didn't see a light novel, I didn't see a manga, I didn't see anything, like, when it comes to that. Did you? Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah. My, uh, Which is kind of strange. Awesome, when I said you were, you were laying the reins, I was like, I'm just watching anime, I'm sitting back relaxing, I'll, I'll let you do everything. I looked but for it overall, sense. but I genuinely couldn't find it. I, I it thought was, it was just hard even finding a proper license to watch this. Besides, even like looking on Amazon to if I wanted to buy the series, if I was a fan, it was uh, a third third rate dealership. It's not like for a paranoid agent. Yeah, people were playing like uh, if you want a complete box set. Box set. Like, it's only thirteen episodes. These guys. Yeah, like people were like gonna try. I was like, I ain't Damn. paying a lot of money for thirteen episodes, but people were <laughs> looking for it, and I thought like someone would have to have this license, but you know, just hearing about the works this director has. I bet it'd be tough to kind of get those licenses. But so. even then, it just, I mean, it, it is because like Perfect Blue and all that. I mean, yeah. but the studio was from Madhouse. So it's okay. like, it, they should have def, I mean, it should be out there easier to get. Yeah. I mean, 
I was able to watch mine from a combination of YouTube and Daily Motion. Yeah. And normally I don't like to do that because I like to actually support the actual uh, like artist and yeah. e- even Crunchyroll. That's, what, that's why I don't get when it's like that. Exactly. I, I look at it on fan forums and they're like, "Hey, if you want, the only way you can watch this and like someone did like a spoof link, it's to, and it showed a, a, a anime girl with a pirate hat. So like, you got to go pirate. So it's like you lose money when you don't do this, and it makes people by hey, if I can't get it." Uh, a legitimate route where you actually get some support that I'm going to have to do it. The, and that's what makes it so hard route. because they're not going to no. reshow this on adult swim again. Yeah. yeah I mean, no. there's too much anime that's out. This was an adult adult swim in our time. Yeah. But it won't especially be able to make li- it. This especially time. with the licenses adult swim has now everything that's let's be the lot their last priority reshow. So when they were making paranoia agent, believe it or not, this whole, well, you'll actually kind of believe it when you really th- watch how crazy the episodes get after eight but this was uh pretty much a montage of all his unused work all the stuff that the director was thinking about that he couldn't put in a different movie or in a different series so he put it all together just these random unused ideas for him that didn't fit into like an exact project series or anything like that and that's how he even came up with paranoia agent okay so is that why like some of the episodes could be like a or like has some relation to the plot, but can be completely different exactly. and like has can stand on its own. And also why you'll notice some of the animation changes, like the art style randomly oh, okay. throughout it. And it does multiple times. They use different art styles throughout it. Like, um, especially when it deals with old people, you'll okay. notice that they put, it looks like they put a lot more time, attention and detail into some of the older characters, mm. how they move and function and act opposed to everyone else. Yeah. So, after that, he ended up making Paprika in 2006. And why this one was good is it just uh, the story centers on a new form of psychotherapy that utilizes dream analysis to treat yeah. mental patients. The film was highly successful, won a bunch of awards, and pretty much his, the story was summed as, as everything, but the fundamental story was changed throughout it. If you are the type of person that really likes concrete answers yeah concrete of how these characters are in relation and where it kind of spills everything out for you doesn't leave it ambiguous if you're that type of person you might not like this guy's work because satoshi uh cone a lot of his ideas are very ambiguous it's open to interpretation you can kind of watch an episode and i'm sure there might be a couple episodes we talk about where we might have seen a little something different or caught something different when it comes to that. And he has that for most of his work. He had the cancer because he stayed fully hidden away. He like isolated himself because he thought it was like weakness. So he's, it's really sad. And then when they find out he passed, it was a sudden just shock to the anime community. And so... Um, what year was it when he passed? It was 2010, August 24th. It, he died at the age of 46. Yeah. Because again, he would have still been making work nowadays. Yeah. And so... I just wanted to give like kind of focus a little bit more on the director this time, just because again, rewatching this anime made me go into a a great place. And it was like the place of thought. And I can definitely say it's because of him. And I honestly appreciate it. Um, 
He's so influential when he did pass in 2010, Times Magazine actually put him uh, in that actual magazine as like an influential figure. Wow. So, I mean, it says quite a lot. Now, shifting away, because again, you've got to have a great director, but having a great great director doesn't do much if you don't have a great Japanese animation studio. And it's hard for me to say what is a better animation studio than Madhouse. Because Madhouse is just coming out with everything. I'll wait until you you say the words before I say something like that. They got Ninja Scroll, Perfect Blue, Vampire Hunter D, Beck Mongolian Chop Squad, Ichigo 100%, um, Parasite, The Maxim, Overlord, 2011's Hunter Hunter. They even in 2012 bought the rights to Peanuts, the comic strip. They American did? Peanuts. Charlie Brown? They bought yes. the rights? Are they, 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 are they using they it for the anything? Yeah. Actually, when I went to Japan, Peanuts is very popular over there. Okay. Like, I've seen a full store dedicated to Charlie, Charlie Brown, Brown and all of it. And Snoopy, you see it everywhere. It was one of the things I didn't expect at all when I was They there. bought the copyrights or they own? Or they just... bought the animation rights. Oh, so the animation rights. Okay. They are make their make own anime. series. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And, again, that was pretty much... Just a small list of stuff that this powerhouse studio that was founded in 1972 actually accomplished. Wow. So, I mean, was there anything else you wanted to add on Madhouse? Because, again, they brought to us so many good things. Dang. Like, I I remember, like, watching, like, Vampire Hunter D's, uh, you know, like, films and stuff. I watched those, and they're always good. Never thought about Madhouse, but for sure, like, big ones, the animates that really hold dear to me are, like... Uh, Hunter x Hunter, the 2011 one. Mm-hmm. I remember you got me in that series randomly by just giving me a DVD, say, hey, watch this show. And I liked it. And when it got to Greed Island, you're like, hey, I'm sorry, man. At, at the end of that, that's that's over for that version. For a whole 2011 series to come, and I got to watch such such a uh, young series. Like, I thought, like, the first Hunter x Hunter that you got me into was definitely, like, straight shonen. And now for it to be actual, you know, remade, and I was able to see a, a series mature from being very like child friendly to have arcs like the Chameleon Ant and like Gon actually meeting his father and these exams that showing the deep meaning of like some fights. Just to know that that director made like another great series, Yu Yu Hakusho, and another big series about like I, I forgot about Madhouse that again you got me into randomly, where I always wished there was a second season up until I think it was like. Two, three years after high school, I finally accept that we would never get one, never. a second season. And that was uh, Beck Mongolian Chop Squad. And just <sighs> for the audience, what was Beck Mongolian Chop Squad? <laughs> uh, Beck Mongol- Mongolian Chop Squad was basically an anime about a, a, a band. Uh, a band I just straight. Oh, I'm sorry, I got my throat is like killing me right now. <laughs> uh, uh, just uh, this guy randomly putting a band together, uh, in Japan, uh, like almost like a punk scene. And this one kid joining who has this amazing voice, but doesn't have like a, a look of a rocker. And basically, just a story of like a coming of age thing about these guys coming together, uh, a mixture of being rap and also rock, and having like these these s- simplistic storytelling. And that was the first time I kind of seen like how voice actors can be great singers. 
Because the main, oh man, I, I would listen to the soundtrack. To I this day. actually still do. It's yeah. on YouTube. I still listen to the American version and even the Japanese version. I mean, they're both incredibly beautiful. Yeah. So that right there is Madhouse. Yeah, continue on. Okay. Sorry. So that pretty much was the production <sighs> company Madhouse. Now we're going to go and do Paranoia Agent and the actual. What is it? What is the plot? Why why do we have an obvious cut right there? That's because there's shit going on in the background. That's yeah. why. Well, now that Ernest got himself a drink and hopefully his My throat was murder. Doesn't sound like an 80-year-old. I, like, like, I need what? <laughs> As he's drinking a soda. Ah, uh, yeah. So, what brought us to Paranoia Agent? It was obviously the plot, because the plot is what stuck with, uh, with us over the years. For sure. So the plot at this point is the main character. I'll I would see say, if you do these names better than I did. Not quite week. the protagonist. I would say this anime doesn't really have a main protagonist. Yeah. But it does center around, I would say, three at least. Yeah, three. Three. But you see hidden stories about how they all kind of intersect throughout it. Okay. So the main character is Tsukiko Sagi is pretty much a character designer for that universe's Mickey Mouse. Uh, The thing is called, it's a pink dog called Maromi, and it has these eyes that follow pretty much whoever is like the most woke person in that room usually. That's what I've noticed. What? It would follow? Yeah, didn't you notice the whenever you seen that stuffed animal, Maromi, the little pink red dog, whatever that was? Yeah. It would always watch the main pretty much problem of the room. So you would see its eyes kind of follow and even the other cat, one of the other characters noticed it, but never said anything. But definitely you could tell was like, why is it watching me as Mm -hmm. like he was dragging like soggy out of the room. So this dog Maromi, um, she creates her and it's a hot big success. So imagine you have nothing. And then all of a sudden you create like a Mickey mouse. And this is literally what happened to her. So it's flooding, flooding at you for that popularity. Exactly. And unfortunately, they expect you to immediately be able to make something just as popular right off the bat. Yeah. So she's already isolated from her coworkers because her coworkers are straight gossiping about her. Her boss wants her to do something else. So she slowly gets driven into this corner. And as she walks home one night, she gets attacked by a kid on skates. That has a, a golden baseball bat. A bent one, too, which was... Um, if In the Japanese version, his name is a Shonen Bot. Shonen Bot? I thought so, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Because I thought it was always super freaking lame. The American okay. version was way better because we called him Lil Slugger. And I think oh, yeah. he's definitely... That was that. Bat Boy in uh, the Japanese... That's the meaning of it. Bat mm-hmm. Boy. Exactly. bat a boy <laughs> uh. So... The other two main characters are police detectives, Kiichi Ikari and Mitsuhiro Maniwa. They were both assigned to the case, and they kind of think Tsukiko is lying until they receive word that I there's feel like a only one. Victim. I only felt like one did. did was, what do you mean one did? Was Maniwa also feeling it? What? Like, uh, I thought uh, it was mainly uh, Ikari who was feeling that. Like, Ma- uh, Maniwa was like, oh, let's ch- check our dots before we... Uh, Fully say. Well, it depends on how you look at it. 
or which episode you're talking about okay. at that point because well, yes yeah. it does start I'll with maniwa immediately um pretty much being like i have a suspicion this isn't right that facts don't add up and ikari is pretty much the i believe he's the young up-and-comer pretty much like junior police officer Ikari's the old one yeah ikari is the young one okay Oh nope, I lied to it you. Is my- Ikari is Kiichi Ikari is the old fashioned. Old okay. So I'll it's get to that so he's the pretty much like, like give me a rough the- old fashioned one, and Maniwa is like the junior detective, pretty much like the sidekick. In a okay. So at this point, the remaining of the episodes is different uh, perspectives of different people who okay. are getting driven into the psychological corner and. The baseball bat boy, Shonen Bot, or Little Slugger, comes out and ironically alleviates these pains by hitting them. And at this point, the pains go away. They characters pretty much feel whatever was repressing them before just kind of fades, and they feel like they were able to finally get away from that whatever anxiety that was causing them. Uh. The- once we go, I know once we get into spoiler territory, I have a question about one of the episodes uh, that deals with it. Because I don't Because I, I, I at first thought it was about relieving the pain, but I also thought it was maybe doing something else about what they're like, almost like hiding, hiding the confrontation. But we'll get to it later. I'll We're continue. definitely going to end up getting yeah. to quite a lot of that. Now, aside from that, I mean, that's the major plot for it is you just have this baseball bat kid that is attacking people that is somehow getting put in a corner and it's a bunch of different perspectives like the main character who's being pretty much bullied at her work yeah she wants to get away she doesn't know how at this point she can't find she's getting pressure from her job and then she gets taken out and there's a lot that this little slugger, this main antagonist, but in a way he's also like the protagonist is in the series. Mm. And he's practically the exact same as the, the dog uh, Moromi. Okay. Very similar to Moromi in terms of a symbolic gesture. So that right there is the major plot. I wanted to go through a little bit of the characters as well as kind of the major voice actors kind of give them a shout out. It's cool. Cool. Okay, so we have the main character um, in terms of of the three where her name is Tsukiko Sagi. She's the central character of the series. She's famous, timid. She's known to be the creator of Moromi. And she always carries, you'll see the signature plush pretty much toy. This like little doll. Plushy. Yeah. She's the first victim of Little Slugger. And pretty much she is the catalyst of this plot. The whole plot and everything that happens is because of her. Um, she was voice, uh, voiced. Um, her Japanese voice actor was Mamiko Noto. She's famous for Fairy Tale. Um, she played one of the main people for the new mm. season, Mavis. And she also was one of the voice actors in Food Wars. At a, the character was a Hinako Inyo. Um, Michelle Ruff was the English voice actor. She actually did the English voice for Rukia from Bleach. Uh, Luna, the cat from Sailor Moon, and the iconic Fujiko from Loop on the Third. So I honestly kind of grew up with Michelle uh, Michelle Russ voice because oh, I was always a big fan of Loop on the Third. 
another uh the main pretty much antagonist was a uh, little slugger shonen bot and he is pretty much always seen as grinning has a baseball cap golden skates and a gold metal bat that's usually always bent because he hit somebody with it yeah curving people's heads in curving it <laughs> which um, i think would well not mind. one of the other main actual people in the series and he was probably my favorite character was Keiichi Ikari and mm. he's one of the two police detectives that's assigned to try to find little slugger so he's old-fashioned his major thing was he always kind of wished for simpler times he okay. always wished for like what like life back in the day see like that you ever seen the movie uh no country for old men mm-hmm. so he's like uh the actor, ah, darn, what is his name? For Men in Black, uh, Tommy, Tommy Lee, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones, Tommy, Tommy Lee, Lee Jones, Jones. yes, gotta add the Jones. Like how how he he had that dream, like he's like, I ain't go after that guy, because you know, like, wow. simple times, he's not ready for this future stuff. So. But anyways, yeah, like <laughs> that's cool. Well, yeah, and that guy was kind of cynical too, like yeah. in the series, and that's exactly how Ikari actually like comes off is very cynical, especially when he's with his partner. Because his partner is young, up and coming, you know, junior police officer. Yeah. And that's uh, Maniwa. But um, Kiichi Ikari is voiced by Shozu Lizuka. And that is what he's known for is Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. He plays uh, Dominic in there. Okay. Soul Eater. uh, He was Al Capone in there. And he played Nappa from Dragon Ball GT. He played Nappa yeah. from GT. Mm-hmm. Nappa was in GT. See, that's what I wanted. To do. I was like, I ain't I watching GT, but I, I definitely ain't watching. I GT. don't remember Nappa, but being yeah. GT, see, that's but. the thing is, I don't remember. Go Nappa. <laughs> I think two four star. <laughs> the uh, American voice actor for uh, Kichi Kari was uh, Michael McConaughey. Michael. Now, he he has his voice where I've definitely heard I heard it for sure. And so he plays D's left hand in Vampire Hunter D. So we've seen him definitely a few times. He actually plays... um, It's a great role playing D's left hand. Yuichi slash the boss and Initial D, so Takumi's dad. Oh. He played uh, one of the main kind of villains in Big O, Schwarzwald or Michael Seabach. Big and up. he had a lot of minor roles in like uh, Cowboy Bebop as well. So we've definitely heard his voice okay. throughout our childhood. Oh, dang. Yeah. You sound like a bigger voice actor than me, but me know, too. I feel like it, I, I thought, I I was thought he would lead a series at exactly, least. Exactly. That's like, the thing. Play this dude. It really bugged me because I, yeah. I really searched to see like, what do I know him for? You ever you ever find the random one like uh, in Berserk where the voice of, you know, Goku? Uh, he's in Berserk as a, a minor character. Really? Yeah, he's uh the guy with the the new one guy who always hates guts. The guy with the long hair down. A Goku's voice. Really? Yeah, that voice actor. That's uh, funny. That's a. Contrast. I'm gonna say the wrong name, so I'm not gonna butcher it. But I know Goku's voice for sure because you could that distinguished it. But yeah, our pretty much last two characters, I believe, at this point is det- the other detective, Mitsu Hero Maniwa. Young, idealistic, flexible thinker. He is a great compliment because, again, to uh, the other detective. The hard-boiled. Yeah. Not hard-boiled. Just an old-school detective. Wants to 
Simple. Investigate, get evidence, close the case. Boom. So Open he was voiced by Toshihiko Seki, and that was the guy who played Duo Maxwell from Gund- uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Wing. So I grew up with his voice, too. He played uh, Fred Luo, one of the Luo brothers from Outlaw Star. He plays uh, Kazuo Henmi from Golden Kamui, and he also played Legato Blue Summers from Trigon. So the Japanese voice actor I've heard kind of throughout my life as well. Legato Blue Summers? Yeah. Legato. The guy with the blue hair had the skull on his shoulder, died because Vash ki- Vash killed him. Dang, this uh, when I hear this stuff, it gets me excited for the other things you know. Jumping like knowing about uh, Trigun and even like Gundam Wing, I was like, can we do a Gundam Wing archive episode? Uh, That's gonna take like a month. <laughs> we can't like we can't do episodes. the whole series, but we can do the twelve episode thing. But I feel like we won't get into anything i don't think in 12 episodes 12 gundam, episodes is like the intro for a gundam yeah, you know how much like, they talk about politics in that oh it's true like, i bet we wouldn't even get to everyone's gundam at that point there's dude. no everyone's way we're like, getting to every character yeah, okay. so the voice actor was lime o'brien he plays gara from naruto and boruto he played uh gino from ghost in the shell standalone complex so the main one the, one of the main guys he played uh nefertite from Sailor Moon, which I have no idea what that is. And he actually played Baki. Uh, well, not Baki. He played a character in Baki. The, the recent one? Um, yes. Uh, Valentine Sokolov. So, he played, oh, okay. He played one of the, the villain dudes. Yeah, definitely one of the villain yeah. dudes. So, and then that brings us to the final character in terms of... Baki uh, got weird quick. Paranoia agent. Baki got hella weird. Yeah. And thank God that new season should be dropping. Oh, yeah. Well, you going to watch part two? I'm happy. Yeah, I've got pissing I guess me off. I did leave off pissing me off. The Especially final... Baki getting dropped. I know this is going to be a tangent, but Baki getting dropped in this. Like, what? This guy went from a champ to getting dropped real quick because these guys are playing dirty. So we played dirty fighting. I was like, Baki, your dad is the demon. Your dad murders people. Yeah, but Baki has never fought someone that can take out his like CO two and like his oxygen and like completely Aww. knock him out. Like that's a Baki's like, yo, I beat Muay Thai people up and you ever sumo. I don't know yeah. what the, this dude literally broke out of a prison because he was able to trap carbon and somehow make that <laughs> ignite and blow up. Oh yeah, okay. So Baki, do you ever see the the little trailer? On- uh, YouTube of videos of like a little boxer fighting Baki's dad. You ever no. see that video clip? All right. No. Well, well, I guess you'll see in part two, but yeah. Yeah, Baki. Baki. Watch yeah. it on Netflix. But not if you're a child. <laughs> yes. That's uh, jacked up. The final character, the other antagonist, okay. is Moromi. And that's pretty much just a mascot that was created by Tsukigo Sagi. That's the pink dog that you'll see with black eyes, droopy mm-hmm. ears, and pretty much. You'll see Moromi's in every episode. The whole series is literally based off Moromi and Tsukiko's relationship with each other. So that deals with the pretty much the main characters of the actual series at this point. And we're going to kind of go into the crazy intro as well as the outro of the series. Okay, sweet. I'm excited. So going into the actual opening... We're going to play the opening, and again, just more of a heads up, just to uh, redo it. The opening was both done by Suzumo Hirasawa for both the intro and the exit. 
So that right there was the opening for Paranoia Agent. Now, during this, both Ernest and I actually just rewatched the music video. Yeah, yeah. Or pretty much the opening again. What was your thoughts on that opening? What was your thoughts on the music video? How'd that make you feel? Uh, music video is just so strange because they use a lot of the character models that you don't see in uh in the anime, like posing and stuff. And in the background, you always see these different images. So it can be like, uh, streets of Tokyo people just walking back in the background you see one that looks like a nuclear react- reactor exploding it's just crazy and like some of it it's like people and they're all all the characters are happy and every single thing that could be very like morbid they're excited they're laughing they're uh, they're doing something that expresses joy even in the back even though the background is could be horrifying or seems like time is continuing without them it's weird yeah one of the characters it shows them free falling through space or free falling through the air probably to their death yeah one is showing kind of a nuke going off in the background one showing that the world there's tremors going throughout it one that she's underwater and they're all laughing kind of like almost this insanity style laugh with the look on their face Mm. and it contrasts really heavily again with this the song because if you actually like look up the lyrics for the song, Shit. it was pretty much just like live your life, enjoy it, but don't worry about that tsunami. <laughs> oh, like <laughs> like small, like that. All, and all, so it was really kind of interesting. Small, stuff. subtle, subtlety, things. subtle, very subtle. But also, like you see, it it will stay with you and kind of haunt you in a way. Hmm. Because if you really paid attention, as well as the background, the tone, and all of it, you just kind of look at it like, why? What was the point of that? And you actually have to really watch this series and pay attention before you really do see kind of you do see the why each character was important and what why they chose some backgrounds for some people. I mean, whether it was a broken home, whether it was literally like underwater, for instance, or whether it was in a ruined, empty city in a trash heap in a mm. broken home. Some of them make also- a huge Huge yeah, some of the more symbolism to exactly. their specific episodes. Exactly. Think about it. That's, that's actually really cool. And so that's just the stuff you don't normally think about. Yeah. But then when I think of, like, for me, one of my favorite endings of all time, I can endings. easily say, hands down, this will always be on the list for me personally. Yeah. It has a haunting lullaby that has stayed with me for years, man years it gets to the point to where i can literally i have a 10 minute loop of this song that usually pops up because it is for me like a perfect song to think to a perfect song to actually like clean to for me i i thoroughly like it because it again it's like a thought invoking song okay and that's why i like it personally so we're gonna play it and then i want to hear your thoughts
Now, you notice I played that song pretty much the full ending for you. The full ending. I, I will do that a hundred times out of a hundred times because I like that song that much. It's one of those things where it's it's beautiful and it's in such a heavy contrast with that opening that you just heard. Not just in terms of the sound or the feeling of the song, but also in terms of the video itself. Yeah. So when you kind of listen to that end, uh, that exit, you listen and you watch that video. What are your thoughts? What's it, what's it kind of show you? So the song itself sounds very like it, it reminds me of like a like a if I was on like a merry-go-round at a, a carnival or something like this soothing kind of lullaby like thing. Uh, but when you see the video in the context, especially when you point it out now, I can't unsee it. But you see every character with their eyes closed. And I took it when I was younger and when I first started the series, uh, rewatching it as they're all sleeping. And then I talk to you and I'll let you get into that bag. So the characters are all around Maromi, a giant Maromi, and it's in a circle. But it's in a, such a circle that it's actually a real, it's a question mark. And out of all those characters, there's actually one missing that's not part of this. There's. There's okay. one character that's in the series that was a very important character that is not part of this. It's not the baseball bat boy. Okay. There is the old man. The oh, original yeah, yeah. old man is the only one that's not part. And I think, personally, he might be the paranoia agent. I, that's kind of... I honestly think that's, so. Oh, that's if I, Like, he's the one who spreads the paranoia? No. Like, he or originally... We'll kind of go into okay. the yeah. spoiler territory in a bit. But and this isn't confirmed because again they leave it ambiguous. Um, but when it comes to him, uh, the feeling I got from this was the series or the paranoia aspect pretty much repeats. The cycle of suffering does continue. Yeah, and you actually kind of see that with the ending as well. And so it almost seems like he was there or he was originally normal, but something happened to him to where. He got that white hair and pretty much did all those math problems. Yeah. And what's crazy is if you actually look at that old man, uh, the very first uh, second episode at the he was doing a math equation. Yeah, outside and of it, the bus stop. Yeah. out of all of it, if you actually look at that equation, it's not just math. Like there's literal letters in there, yeah. there's kanji in there, there's everything, but it all equals one thing and. It's probably hard to remember because it was a little while ago. Isn't it butterfly? It the equal sign was Ichi, and uh -huh. Ichi was the main character the, of that second episode, that egotistical kid that pretty much oh, okay. wanted to be the center of attention. Yeah. So it's like Love he by all. he had this weird equation that knew that it was this kid was going to be kind of the next breaking point for the battle. Okay. Boy. Yeah. He's me. Uh, third episodes focus, focus, point, focal point. So it's kind yeah. of interesting again, from my perspective, mm -hmm. when I, when I actually see that and that old man always made me curious. I, mm -hmm. whenever I saw my, Oh, both of them, the old man and the old woman in the series, I thought about them a lot because again, they made those two characters so incredibly interesting to me. Hmm. Now, this right here is the overall arc of Paranoia Agent. I mean, it has a lot of symbology in it, has a lot to it, but we're going to go into <clears throat> spoilers before I even talk about that symbology or anything like that. So if you really, which 
I highly recommend watching it, and we're going to give our official grades still towards the end. But this is the anime where it gave me the opposite effect of Wolf's, uh, Wolf's Rain. Opposite effect of yeah, Wolf's Rain? When I watched Wolf's Rain, I was like, eh. Like okay. At the very end, it wasn't as good as what I the remember. Me- the message that, but okay. This yeah. time, it gave me the complete opposite, where I genuinely think rewatching this one again was actually better than what I honestly remember. And maybe right. that's just because I'm able to start pointing out the themes. Yeah. Or I'm able to finally see a, a little bit more and understand kind of why this is happening and how this actually reflects and relates to us nowadays. Mm. So again, if for instance, you don't want spoilers, please cut it off right here. And if you don't care and you're going to watch it anyway, because you're going to do what we told you, then at this point, just keep staying on. So starting with this in terms of this, did you, what kind of stuck out to you in watching this series, Uh, watching everyone's kind of path unfold the climax how do you feel now that you finished it? Uh, what really stuck out to me was mainly like each episode's kind of having its own like indicator, uh, like uh, that we know like at the beginning it starts with uh the main the main female uh, protagonist of the series begins, uh, Tsukiko. Uh, Tsukiko. Uh, and how even though she becomes a very important towards the end, like she's always only like a sprinkled in other episodes or a reference, but never really focused. And there's parts in each episode where everyone eventually as the series builds up, I think of Bat Boy as being like a the antagonist, but people start looking at him as like a savior, helping him in some way. And some of the points I want to get to you once you talk about it is like if if he's actually helping them or is he just making them uh, achieve like making them hide their desire or like repress it or making them not face their fear or face their confrontation like you building up on something that you're not willing to say hey I don't need to be just like the other character I don't need to be the center of attention or I don't I I need to tell someone about my demons or uh I need to realize that I might not be alive or things like that uh, yeah uh just a feeling of certain certain things don't go the way that you think immediately and it's uh there's meaning in each episode individually that can stand out but let me get your take on everything my take on what (laughs) that badass ugly ass cut i don't know where the hell we at (laughs) oh these cuts are killing me uh basically um we can just go right into uh your overall like the first Six episodes or however you want to do it in the beginning. So how you want to jump before that? I want to do with that, um, one of the things we talked about that was a theme throughout this whole thing, there was a couple things. Yeah. One was pretty much what you actually said, which is that understanding or uh, that fear and kind of that ability to repress something, the ability to hide something mm. or to not even acknowledge it, to almost deny it or ignore it. And that was one of the biggest themes of this show, which is a lot of the characters or even the main character couldn't come to terms and admit that they made that mistake Yeah. and what that caused. And not just that. I mean, again, the what happened spread all throughout Japan. I mean, it was an idea that she created because she was never attacked by anybody. Remember that? Yeah. Like. The old woman said there was nobody in that alley with her. She literally did it to herself. So she manifested the idea of Lil Slugger. Then 
other people it then caught on because she was such a high profile name and she was like an average joe like a convenience store clerk yeah. this never would have happened but because she was now a celebrity and now she was hit by someone that said it was baseball bat golden boy you know um little slugger style oh now they had that image planted in everyone's mind so now you're feeding everybody's like oh what if he does this he can hurt my enemy and help me out or you know what if i catch him it'll make me famous and now the people and it happens through the rest of the series are now starting to realize that they're almost relying on that little slugger yeah. that he's might be potentially helping some people short term because every time they get hit they always feel better they forget the reason why they had that anxiety but at the very end of the series, it also shows that that comes back. The woman then rechanged her personality. It never fixed everything. Yeah. So all it did was just literally delay it. But you like also have to draw. Fix, yeah. You also have to draw parallels because that's no different than us now with people. Hmm. A lot of people have no problem in delaying this pain, and then they think about it, they drag it on, and it's like this weird freaking helplessness. And I actually found the term for it. And it's this, it's the term, um, I heard it is called learned helplessness. Learned helplessness? Yeah. It's pretty much a condition in which a person suffers from a sense of powerlessness. And it usually arises from a traumatic event or some persistent failure to succeed. And it's thought to be one of the most, um, it's an underlying cause of most depression. Mm. So what this kind of means and is... You're just in a situation where you try to get out, you try to get out, and you can't, or you won't, and now you accept it. You don't try to fight it anymore. You completely accept it, and because you accept that, that there's no possibility to get better, to grow, to get out of it, now you start to experience depression symptoms, and they've actually done this test with college kids, kids who were depressed and kids who weren't depressed, and pretty much... They had them try to figure out a mathematical equation and it was a big part of their grade. It was impossible yeah. to figure out because they wanted to do a test to see which one was like, are the people that are depressed? Will they get worse off? And they mm. found out that the symptoms, <laughs> the symptoms were identical, okay. which is once they realized that they couldn't get it, that it was impossible for them to get. They had this helplessness and they started actually showing depressive, like uh, depression, like symptoms. Okay. And so it's really interesting because again, you see this nowadays. I mean, there's times I'm at my work and I have to get back to a client. That's honestly pissed me off. And I, I sit there and I'm like, you know what? Instead of me just doing this right now and getting it over with, let me do it at the end of my day. What do I do? I think about it for the next six hours and it like mentally drains you. It's exhausting. And then all of a sudden you, f you finish the call, you eat that frog. And what happens? You do it in five minutes. You realize it's a lot less painful than just owning up to it. Yeah. And at that point, you're able to then from that point on start to have a better day. But what did I do? Because I waited so long. I now had six hours of negativity, yeah, six hours of dwelling. dreading that I got to deal it. with that later. So when I, th when I seen yeah. paranoia agent, I mean, there was a lot of parables that I was able to relate with myself and that I was able to see society as a whole kind of make. Nobody likes to own up to their own crap. It's mm. hard to say you make a mistake and it's so much easier to pass the buck. And it happened in multiple different episodes. Yeah. So 
again, this is just kind of the themes that I've noticed throughout it. I mean, what did you notice when you were watching the episodes? Um, uh, there were some like episodes that stand out to me. Uh, the earlier on was a kid with um, I feel like they picked up because first earlier on was a kid who wanted to be loved by everyone, beloved, and I didn't think. I didn't think that was such a big deal. Like, I remember being like that kind of in school. Like, I could relate. But as episodes went on, it got very, like, the subject got heavier. Mm-hmm. Like, one uh, one, daughter, uh, one daughter discovered that her father had pictures of her on the computer. And that she wanted Baseball Boy to attack her. The one I mentioned earlier in the pod uh, that had, like, a split personality where she, she would... Uh, I don't I don't even know what the triggers were, but she was actually like sharing a bean with someone, her body and stuff, and one and the other person was in prostitution while she was very like a shut in and was on the hopes of getting married to a coworker. Now that was affecting her. That was a really interesting episode yeah. too, because you've seen the dynamic go back and forth, back and, and them like almost like she was about to be recovered, but then arguing yeah. about it mm-hmm. about getting rid of that part of her life and not. Maybe acknowledging it. I mean, imagine this. You're getting married, then all of a sudden you see on your own cell phone a picture of you literally with another person. Yeah. And then you're like, what? That's not what I want. I want to be happy. And not telling your significant other that you suffer from this kind of uh, disability. Which is a huge disability. I mean, a huge for... I mean, it's it took over who you are. I mean, the only way she was able to communicate with it, that other personality, was leaving herself messages. Yeah. And even then, some like, mental stuff right there. It, yeah, it, it was really interesting. I sort mean, of. out of all the like episodes, which is a whopping thirteen, did you have a specific episode that really stood out to you? Um, one uh, as I came in here before we started the pod that you were kind of like showing clips of. I think a big one was the uh, the suicide one, uh, the trio, and how that that had some hidden messages in it. So that was episode eight for our clients or clients for our audience. It's called happy. Uh, the episode was titled happy family planning. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, hmm. why did this episode kind of stick out to you? Um, cause I watched it again. Uh, now that, you know, we're doing archives and stuff, I'm really analyzing things. So I watched the series and then I wanted to read and stuff and get like questions, answers to some of my questions I had. So I remember just reading it over the question had like this episode had subtleties that I didn't pick up immediately. Me too. Uh, uh, until it was like thrown in my face at the end where they're hanging out at the convenience store. But basically I left the episode thinking, were they already dead or were these characters or were one dead and the other characters start dying out slowly by each episode? Did you have find your answer? Uh, I believe I found my answer. What, I believe. What, what do you think? I believe the little girl was dead already, and each char- other character significantly died throughout the episode because they, I believe, they had shadows in early on, and then eventually their shadows disappeared. And I think some of them died. I think one died actually hanging themselves, and the other died possibly hmm. uh, either on the train or uh, possibly trying to jump the train. Hmm. They died, uh, but I, I, I wasn't sure. And again. Like you said about the director, he leaves it ambiguous. It's ambiguous. He leaves it. You don't know. You figure it out. I kind of got like a different one. What did you get? It. I seen that there was two shadows, and the moment they actually came out of the building that was being taken down, yeah, there was no shadows after that. So I think 
that all three of them were actually alive. They try to ditch the girl. They go into that and they're trying to kill themselves with carbon monoxide poisoning and sleeping pills. And at this point during this, I think they might've succeeded, but the girl ends up coming, like going in there. And that's when pretty much they take down the home during this afterwards. You actually see it. That's when I noticed at least the two guys didn't have shadows. And it's cool because the Japanese, uh, do you get like random, uh, screens of the internet conversation they would have between each other. Yeah. Did you see that? Were you able to find I, like, I Google translated that. From oh, my you phone. did. Okay. And a lot of it was more like, yeah, we can kill ourselves from carbon monoxide poisoning and sleeping. It will be a lot painless. Or they would talk about throwing themselves off a building. It was such a weird, creepy, but also fascinating episode for me personally, because it was like, it, it had such contrasting vibes. The episode itself was horrifying. If you yeah. really think about it, if I just, if I told my mom about that with no context, she would freak out being like, yeah. well, what the what? hell? When you had that, but also if you actually listen, the sound effects, the music was such a contrast. There was many times in that episode where it was incredibly goofy. And it's yeah, not, yeah. again, it's not just this episode, but this is a theme that I also noticed multiple different times was they had contrasting tones. Hmm. So they would show, for instance, um, uh, the split personality woman. Okay? Yes. Uh, her name was Maria. That was the, oh, yeah. the wild side. Okay. So they would show her right after she was done, like having sex. And they would show her like beautiful, like kind of the idea, perfect image of like a beautiful woman. The next scene immediately after was this fat, ugly otaku guy that was having sex with her. Okay. Now the crazy thing about it, and I've noticed that throughout this was they would often show something beautiful and the immediate next scene followed up with something that was like realistic, realistic. Realistic. (laughs) And that's pretty much what it was like realistic. And they did this with like that, this episode, episode eight, while they were getting hung. During that scene, there was goofy music playing. Yeah, I've watched that same scene in what was it? Was it um uh, not Insidious, but it was another uh, Sinister. Sinister. So when you watch uh, Sinister, is an American horror film by the people I think who did Insidious. Yeah. Okay. Now the first five minutes of that, you watch a family get hung in complete silence, oh, and yeah, it is eerie. It really is. Yeah. So it's like, I've already seen something that's, to me, incredibly scary. But when you watch a guy, an old man, and a little girl try to hang themselves, but now there's, like, playful, wonky music. And, like, he joking around with it, and one girl's like, this is fun. And one guy's literally choking. Like, yeah. That's horrifying. Like, to me, that's really horrifying. Yeah. But, again, through this whole thing, it's the director does a good job at contrasting it. And I just noticed that it would happen a lot. I mean, mm. you just seen a lot of tones or they would play something kind of very like soft. And then immediately they would change the tone and make it like a lot more intense or harsh. And it, they did that a lot throughout each episode. Yeah. It was a really interesting theme. But again, I think they died in that building. Okay. Like, cause at, after that, uh, and that's why uh, when you, you were they coming did, in, you think they did knock out in there? And they were, uh, and then 
when it dimension it was just I think they did knock out in terms of that that might have killed him if it didn't it knocked him out and then the building fell on him yeah, that was, yeah. and the little girl if she would have followed them anyway into that room she would have died from the carbon monoxide poison super quick oh okay yeah there's Again, adults will die from that. Yeah, like, a kid it will hit them, it'll affect them a lot way quicker. faster. Especially yeah. if they don't know, they would just you lose out. consciousness and it's already game so over. that was kind of the thing I got. Again, we know for a fact that they died. We just don't know if they died before. Yeah, or during. I think one of them, especially at the end of the episode, the old man realizes it. He did because he, he looked and he, he couldn't find his shadow. He couldn't find them, and that's they, why he said we need to go on a long trip. Like, and I think they both realized it actually. Because uh, Zebra, the other guy, yeah, in there. Halfway through that episode, there was a they are talking about killing themselves by throwing themselves in front of a train. Yeah, right before they do that, someone else, someone else does it, jumps right in front of a train, and the thing is, is during this time, you know, they're like, oh well, I don't want to do that. That's what I look like. That's gross. Uh, so the the girl and the old man walk away. The guy Zebra notices that that dude lived. He, he got up, and you don't live when you get ran over by a train. Yeah. Japanese uh, superstition shows if, for instance, you kill yourself, then you will all relive till the end of time what you wanted to accomplish without ever being able to accomplish it. So that's a superstition in Japan. But what do you mean relive? Like you'll, so you'll say live for instance, a life? Say these people, for instance, want to kill themselves. Yeah. Or say that other guy. That's their last goal. And they do. They don't pass on. They relive pretty much almost that mentality of never being able of wanting to accomplish that goal, but never being able to. But never being able to get this. And uh, I think the old man honestly realized that at the end because again, the guy zebra seen that dude, but it, that dude walked away from the train accident. Okay, nobody said anything. The crowd didn't say anything. Nobody did. Why did nobody react? If nobody reacted to that guy just up and walking away from it, then that means he's obviously dead. So this yeah. dead people watching another dead person mm. from that point on. Now the old man then starts to trip out a little bit later. So now he, why did he all of a sudden say, Oh, let's take a bullet. Let's go travel. Why is it from we, you never see those three characters interact with anybody through the whole episode at Besides all themselves, yeah. just each other. And even then, the you see that internet conversation. Yeah. I don't know if that happened pre, before, or if that happened like. Are they dated or anything like that? Uh, I didn't notice. No. Okay. Just they might. Out. They might. I genuinely just yeah. didn't notice. I wonder what indicated him about the shadow. Was it the crows and stuff, or was it just he? It just clicked on him when he looked at the little girl or something. And that's the thing I don't yeah. know because I mean they make it obvious because they add, yeah. they have a person walk with a shadow in that same yeah, scene in the background, which is great, great visual aid right there. But that yeah. episode again, that one I thought about that all day today, all night last night. I I can say that is a it's it sounds weird to say, but I thought that was a really great episode. That was one of my favorite episodes in there because it was so horrifying. Because the thing is, is what they did also, you have to credit the director. Because yeah. episode seven, right before that, they talked pretty much about uh, that's when the two police officers uh, got fired from their job. Because that's when Little Slugger ended up killing that kid. Oh, yeah. The kill, so the kid that was they had the final buildup that. And then after that, 
you don't see mention of those two detectives after they get fired until episode 11. So they literally go three episodes without even mentioning it. That's like three filler episodes without it actually being filler. It's really interesting just kind of in how they did it. Again, I thought the buildup, because I want to know what happened. They got let go. They got fired because a kid died under their watch, of, and that was from Little Slugger. I mean, imagine that. You're literally a police officer. You're going into this room, and you're like, okay, I know he's, this kid's there. And you check anyway, and now you see Little Slugger going and disappearing into a shadow, completely disappearing from you. There's no way for him to leave that room, and you're stuck with that dead kid. Now you're like, how do you explain this? How do you do this? And that's what made the old man kind of start to go crazy himself and not really like start to get upset because he was like, I joined the police force to catch bad guys. Yeah. Old school bad guys that would have like a sack that would rob pretty much the stereotypical one. He's like, I didn't join the force to catch psychological bad guys. He doesn't know what to do. And that's the thing where the other guy, the up and comer, he is like, he looks like he's dedicating his all, his whole being to now figuring out how to combat that. I think the other uh, director or not director, the other detective, he ends up, um, I think he becomes an ex paranoia agent because by the end of the series, he gets white hair, starts doing a math equation, just like the dude before that. And I think he will be like one of the next catalysts. That starts a cycle again. I think so. That's just what I got. What, I mean, aside from that, another episode that really stuck out stood out to me personally was probably the episode that I would say uh, ten. It would probably be ten. ten. Now, what ten was was you would almost throw it away as a filler, yeah. because it was about Maromi getting brought to get uh, to life from the animation department. So you oh, see okay. this animation team. You know, the art director, music director, all of that. And then you have pretty much the one person in there that is just ruining everybody's life. Which is like hurting him. That's messing it up. He's just a, a fuck up. He's terrible. Yeah. And I believe that it, his name was uh, Nayuki uh, Saruta. Oh, yeah. It'd have to be Saruta because they called him Monkey. Saru's Monkey. Yeah. So... Throughout the episode, they kind of do like a a pulp fiction approach with it. They have Mm. different perspectives, not perspectives, but different timelines kind of going in sync wrapped around the major timeline. Okay. And they kind of switch in between them. So it switches in between like what's what made him get that paranoia. And by the end of that uh, the episode, if you notice, he I think he killed every person on this production team. He killed them. He killed them all. He literally killed them all. I mean, it shows that he kills one for sure. Yeah. But I think he killed them all like before that. Like it definitely. But he snapped and just one by one took out. And then from his production team, what would he do? Blame that on the bat. That's the thing. Blame that on like little slugger. Little slugger. That's literally it. And so I mean, and that's the thing. It just like. They made that a cartoonishly like childlike episode in terms of the tone, Marumi kind of like having its little like conversations and pretty much being like the music director takes care of the music and actually explaining to you what some of the roles in animation are over like some corpses of dead bodies. 
So they did, again, an interesting contrast. That's the theme of everything. Yeah. I mean, I thought the last two episodes were, to, like, to me, magnificent. And How do you feel about the, the resolution of, and especially episode 12, of everything coming together? Unless you want to talk about 11 and 12 well, and, and together. I liked, for instance, 12, because at this point, 12 was... I mean, I liked 11 probably way more than 12 and 13 myself okay. just because that's when they changed up the animation style again. And that's when the cop, um, uh, what was Manawara? that cop's name? Or Itsuke. Manawa. Uh, Itsuke. 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 Well, both of them. Both but okay. Ikari pretty much is, he like confronts the little slugger during him. So he, you, you see what he's turned into. He, you could tell he's definitely changed. Something about him has changed for some reason. And now he's able to see combat and fight the little slugger on like a spiritual, physical That's level. Right, okay. And remember, little slugger is not real. Yeah. But he's able to actually still battle him as if he was. Who uh, 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 brings me to a question. Who killed the the kid who thought, who was like, you know, I'm a guardian. I want to save. Who killed? Who ended- little slugger killed him. It was like he... Okay. What? So Lil Slugger was a real manifestation. But why did Lil Slugger only kill him and no one else? Was there what what was this kid hiding? Was he such high was such repressing such reality that his pain was deeper? The Lil Slugger did kill other people. Okay. Like I definitely think so because Throughout the last few episodes, you start to hear, uh, especially uh, the paranoia is starting to increase a lot more. Mm. Little Slugger can appear in t- uh, two places at once. He can appear in multiple different areas. Yeah, there could be no more than one. Yeah. yeah, there could be more than one. So I honestly think, and again, because now that paranoia caught on to the whole city of Japan, yeah. I think that he definitely killed a lot of people because he was like, the dark side of a distraction mm. of being able of repression. Actually, that would be, it. there's two styles of, dep- of repression in this. Uh, Maromi was the light style, yeah. almost like a comfort, a softness, something that you can kind of rely on when you're feeling like hurt. And little slugger was like this pain, like something like a bigger pain that dulls the pain that you're already going through. Like, like if you had like a childhood repression that you never, that you come to realize later in adulthood or something like that. One of those ones was like mm-hmm. very deep rooted in you until you could, and then you later confront it if you like go to a therapist or something. I mean, you could definitely say that, but I think it's right. more two different styles. Okay, like literally, like Maromi's repression was, "Hey, it's okay. It's not your fault. You know, they're just jealous of you." These are exact okay. words of what she said to the main uh, protagonist, the girl. So, I mean. That's the like the light style of mm-hmm. being like, hey, it's not your fault. There's nothing you could have done. That was somebody else. That's not telling you to own up to your what's your mistake. That's it's not telling you what you want to hear. Kind of thing. That's exactly it. It's just saying, hey, you can hide it, push it under the rug, don't confront it, don't worry mm-hmm. about it. And then you have basil up uh, a little slutter. I think his represented the opposite, the dark side of the repression, which is like a bigger pain that can temporarily take care of your pain like there's that saying oh like my leg hurts well you know the best way to stop your leg from hurting let me hit your arm now your arm hurts you're not going to focus on your leg i feel like little slugger was like the dark side of repression where it was like 
I want to end it all. I want to okay. escape. I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to be this. I'm useless. I'm worthless. Instead of having that voice that says, no, don't listen to them. No, you're okay. You have a different voice that says, yeah. Now they're neutral with it. Let's give you an out. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Let me take this from you. Instead of let you take this. And what happened at the very end? She finally owned up to it. She realized what she called. And she was like, I'm sorry I let this dog die. That was the whole point of everything. That's how she even created Moromi. Yeah. She let this dog die. And that literally spawned years later, of course. she. I think she felt a lot of guilt from this dog. Did you think... But so, like, the dog... Let the dog die. Was it mainly like she felt responsible enough that she lied about it, and that would and that guilt build up on her, or not like telling her father that hey, I was I had cramps and I accidentally released a leash and the dog got hit by a car, and not just and she felt guilty for that, and not just coming up and saying hey this happened and I'm, I apologize for that. Well, that's exactly I feel what a sense happened. Of responsibility, yeah. Was she didn't want to go up to her dad. She didn't want to admit that she messed up. She didn't yeah. want to admit a single thing. She yeah. would rather. At that time, she said a kid with a baseball bat on rollerblades hit the dog and ran away. Is that what they referenced in the first episode? Uh, you know, they said there was a case that was similar to this. Yeah, uh, I'm it, sure that, that could be All like right. from a while ago. Okay. Like, definitely could be. Yeah. Or that could have been the first paranoia oh, the, that happened even before okay. that created that original agent. Again, yeah. we don't honestly know, but that's why I liked this anime because it gives you so much kind of food for thought. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, and then the final conclusion of the young up-and-coming police officer becomes a new paranoid agent. He gets white hair out of nowhere, goes insane, goes on like a math equation himself, and then comes to this weird realization before it cuts out. You have, like, the cop. Like, his wife died. Like, his wife died through that. I mean, she died to kind of bring him back in a way to get him out of that. Her last moment was like, I want to be with him. Before I die. She remember when she went to the hospital? Yeah. She never got out of the hospital. She died in the hospital. And so, and then, and was his impression always wanting to have a family His and his wife was too sick. It was two things. It was wanting to have a daughter. Yeah. It's always been his dream. And also like he was getting tired of always having to take care of his wife all the time. Okay. It was soul draining. And it, it is. I mean, anyone who's had to carry for a real relative, that's some silent Hill two stuff right there. But anyone who's had to care for a relative seriously for a long period of their life goes through that. Or anyone that's a mother literally goes through that where it's like when you give your all for someone else, I mean, eventually you just, there's not much you can do. And the wife wanted to run away from it. She wanted to die multiple times. And he sat there and was like, he used her because she was so pure. He, he was a good man. He genuinely was like, but he started running away from it. He didn't want to come home. And that's what allowed him to go into that Moromi world where he was able to become just for that temporary time, that old school police officer, yeah. that easy kind of predictable. That's what world. Put, pretty much put himself into his work and stuff. And that's it. He had three jobs, rarely ever came home, rarely yeah. did anything like that. So again, it was just really interesting. I mean, every episode I, I, I really can say I enjoyed it. I didn't feel like, I was dragging this one on. Mm-hmm. I didn't get the kind of impression of like, oh, I gotta, 
I got to do this. Yeah. There was nothing like that. Like, honestly, I felt that with Speed Grapper. I felt yeah. that with Wolf's Rain. I didn't feel that with Cromarty. No. But that, that shows that some anime, and this one is a serious psychological, like, mature rated. They talk about sexual themes throughout it. They talk, I mean, obviously there's assault and violence. And there's, I mean, a lot of temporary peaks of insanity as well. I mean, what was your final thoughts after seeing that conclusion, seeing how it built up now that you're kind of analyzing it? And do you have like any last kind of questions after watching what happened? Um, I think honestly, you, you answered all the questions I had. Uh, I just feel that this series does a good job of, uh, of making these questions like making you really think and focus on and i like being able to i like knowing that what i saw when i was younger i can still gain something else from it a bigger experience now that i'm older and i can see these different things and be able to actually share it with someone who caught one of the things i didn't catch on immediately and i think that's pretty powerful and, I, and that's kind of one of the joys of anime archives is be able to go back to a series that you thought that you 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 ingested everything and know the the fruits of all the labor and just to go wow there was stuff i missed out and things that i didn't hint at things where i was like oh this is a this was a i thought when i remember watching the first time i remember there was a conclusion just to for me to watch a lot of episodes feel like is there a conclusion is it gonna cycle gonna repeat itself what was the answer that he answered to himself and knowing that the only answer i can get to that is my own answer it's just like how inceptions ending was great for everyone people were like is, is he still in the dream world is he out of it it's always it, it's sometimes that makes you angry but sometimes it leaves a great satisfying feeling and i felt like i got that from paranoid agent where i felt satisfied where i was like i don't need to know the answer it could be whatever i make of it but i'm happy that i was able to deal with something that was big and something that i think is current and something that you could if you in today's society, a lot of people do this. A lot of people repress things and are not willing to say it. Like it takes a lot of strength, even from like being just us being men, be able to be honest and and share our feelings and share our thoughts and be like, "Hey, this is how I feel," and how tough that can be for people. And like each episode, kind of people are facing their own inner demons and be able to either I'm going to hide it and completely want to erase that part of me, or I'm going to confront it and hopefully I will get past it. It's you know it's always that fifty fifty kind of thing. Is this an anime that you would recommend? I would wholeheartedly recommend this anime. I think if uh, you like a mature brain, a thought provoking anime, watch Paranoid Agent. Uh, you could definitely get it on YouTube. Uh, it's easy. Daily Motion. You know, we Daily were able Motion to find had it. it. Um, Go to your local con, whatever yeah. kind of comes through your state. I'm sure they'll have it. For cheaper than a hundred and yeah, one hundred and like eighty. Yeah, was, I, I wouldn't spend that, but yeah, I'd spend I like, like yeah. I'd spend like I would say like sixty if you mm. give me in a good mood and I just got paid fine. Yeah. Twenty easy, like twenty. It is dubbed, easy. so we we watched uh, each I, one. I watched dubbed. I actually uh, switched between the two. Oh, you were I actually alternated. Yeah, okay. I did a uh, like I probably cool. did. Uh, let's see, it was only can find the dub. The first oh. few was in Japanese, and then like five, six, seven was. And eight wasn't dubbed, and then I switched back to Japanese for a few. Then I went to dubbed. One okay, cool, cool. Because I liked the voices for the dubbed. I honestly thought yeah. they did a good job. It yeah. didn't feel like it was too much. All that I disliked about the dub was the whole, like you had to Google Translate things. Where I like they would show indication of things in Japanese. I was like, there's no subtitles for it, so I don't know what 
why the characters freaking out. Real tough. And I just needed to finish it, so I was like... E- they didn't have subtitles even when it was subbed. It wasn't... Like, it was episode just like, eight, eight uh, with the guys trying to offer themselves. Yeah. And it was subbed, and you would see the, like, the, computer the, chat. Yeah. And no, never would show something. It yeah. never popped up. That's why I had to Google translate it from my phone. Yeah, kind of weird. Yeah, all right, definitely weird. But what, what about you? I would highly recommend this one to anyone that wants kind of a step back, wants a darker, more mature feeling, and wants to kind of get put put to. I want where you go into your bed and you're actually just thinking. This is the type mm. of anime where it's like if if you watch it and there's distractions on in the background, you might not like it. You honestly might not. But if you actually give it some real attention, you listen to the change up, you listen to the contrast, and you actually see how it can and probably does relate. Like there's a lot of issues that relate to your that can relate to your own life or at least people that you know. Again, I've had my own stories where I feel like I should have just owned up to it instead of running away from it. Mm. So I feel like, again, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a great intro, a great outro. I wish it was longer, but I'm also glad that it's not. And so, again, I can definitely say out of everything, I appreciate what this director really did. For sure. Another shout out to Satoshi Akon. So... That brings pretty much our paranoia agent to a close. To a close, the final bit of it. Again, we would highly recommend this to anybody and everybody. Um, what's going to be the next episode? Are we going to bring a special guest on, or are we going to go more a seasonal? Because I think the new season of uh, Spring Anime is coming out. It's about, yeah, it's about to That's drop. About to drop. I know um, this. I seem like. Or are we going to go back in the archives? Um, so which one are we going to do? Are we doing a guest? Mm. Oh, are we going to do, like, maybe set up, like, a movie? Because straight up, like, some of the things we talked about earlier is really enticing. That Trigun's yeah. enticing. Uh, yeah. Beck Mongolian. Berserk Mongolian. Uh, I don't know about Berserk. Big O. Uh, <laughs> um, these uh, are all... I wasn't even thinking about Gungrave and stuff. A lot of things were coming to mind. Uh but honestly, I know we we have kind of like a schedule, like we have ideas that's thrown out. Um, kind of want to play it by ear. Uh, you guys will kind of find out next week what we're gonna do. Um, I'm sorry things aren't going like weekly, weekly. Uh, just because of my school and me editing till we get down to it. So I ain't sorry. You better pay us. <laughs> I'll, I'll... But it's gonna get in a better schedule because I figured out something I can do to. You start replacing my income from my job, and I will definitely. And I yeah. miss a week, then I'll apologize. Oh, yeah. Until then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but we can guarantee that there will be yeah in the next six months. I do want to put this out there that we will at least watch a Paprika or Millennium Actress because I'm curious or Perfect Blue. I'm curious to see a Satoshi Kon movie now instead of an actual anime series. Yeah. So, and um, yeah, we'll see. Cause I have ideas. Cause I we we talked about doing a, a, the sports anime thing. I want to get to and with spring coming, there's some cool ideas. Uh, but I will announce my next archive one next episode. I think we won't. We'll take a break from archive and do something kind of different, refreshing. 
before we do in the next one because archives definitely take a lot more time to you know dedicate look for the director or look at episodes and stuff and really get more details and i want to make sure i give my full time to it and with school i can't just do a week of that study i got i gotta give two weeks well, school and they're dropping and, another like 15 anime yeah, and they season. Drop that. Yeah. so we have to stay caught up did you ever finish a uh, dororo no, no. See, I still need to finish. I'm, I'm, I'm on episode like, nine, and yeah. I thought I was gonna get like a full. I think it's getting full twenty four. Yeah, I, that's I what I thought it was. Yeah. Gonna, I thought it was getting uh, twenty four too. So until then, um, think, uh, thank you guys yeah. for listening. Uh, please email us. At this is animearchives at gmail Let us know what we need to work on, what we did good, anything of that sort, and we are gonna end off with. One of the best ending theme songs ever. One of the good things about um, this series that I noticed, yeah, in terms of like another thing that we didn't really talk about was um, the social media. In the second episode, that character was loved by his classmates, and they assumed he was the baseball bat kid based off the description. And within one day, everyone's perception of him changed. And it sh- it, again, I see similarities with nowadays in terms of, based off a little bit of information, even misinformation, your whole perception of somebody, whether it's a celebrity, a mentor, an idol, can change within just a day. Yeah, I even thought about like true friendship, knowing like who can be your true friends and who are people who just they just glorify you, and knowing that do I want to be someone who is look uh, just admired because of my status of what I did, or do I want people in my life who care truly about me and would not who would come to my defense if my character is ever come it's challenged and that hit heavy for sure it's just something we can say we can definitely say in this day and age we appreciate anime because it's still teaching us just about life all right guys till next time